Chapter 3 of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Geller. Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume 2, by Havelock Ellis. Chapter 3 Sexual Inversion in Men. Part 12. The following cases are all bisexual, attraction being felt toward both sexes, usually in predominant degree toward the male. History 27. H.C., American, aged 28, of independent means, unmarried, the elder of two children. His history may best be given in his own words. I am on both sides distantly of English ancestry, the first colonists of my name having come to New England in 1630. Both my mother's and my father's family have been prolific in soldiers and statesmen. My mother's contributed one president to the United States. So far as I am aware, none of my antecedents have betrayed mental vagaries, except a maternal uncle who, from overstudy, became for a year insane. I am a graduate of two universities with degrees in arts and medicine. After a year as physician in a hospital, I relinquished medicine altogether to follow literature, a predilection since early boyhood. I awoke to sexual feeling at the age of seven, when, at a small private school, Glimpsing bare thighs above the stockings of girl schoolmates, I dimly exulted. This fetishism, as it grew more definite, centered at last upon the thighs and then the whole person of one girl in particular. My first sexually tinged dream was of her, that while she stood near I impinged my penis upon a red-hot anvil and then, in beatific self-immolation, exhibited the charred stump to her wondering, round eyes. This love, however, abated at the coming of a new girl to the school, who, not more beautiful, but more buxom, made stronger appeal to my nascent sexuality. One afternoon, in the loft of her father's stable, she induced me to disrobe, herself setting the example. The erection our mutual handlings produced on me was without conscious impulse. I felt only a childish curiosity on beholding our genital difference. But the episode started extravagant whimsies, one of which persistently obsessed me. With these obviously compensatory differences, why might not the girl and I affect some sort of copulation? This fantasy, drawn exclusively from that unique experience, charmed with its grotesqueness only, for at that time my sense of sex was but inchoate, and my knowledge of it was nothing. The bizarre conceit, submitted to the equally ignorant girl and approved, was borne to the paternal hayloft, and there, with much bungling, brought to surprising and pleasurable consummation. In the four ensuing years I repeated the act not seldom with this girl and with others. When I was eleven my sister and I were taken by our parents to Europe, where we remained six years, attending school each winter in a different city and, during the summer, travelling in various countries. Abroad my lust was glutted to the full. 
the amenable girl playmate was ubiquitous whom i plied with ardour at swiss hotels german watering-places french pensions where not toward puberty i first repaired at times to prostitutes masturbation excepting a few experiments i never resorted to few of my schoolmates avowedly practised it of homosexuality my sole hearing was through the classics where with no long pondering i opined it merely our modern camaraderie poetically aggrandized masquerading in antique habiliments and phraseology it never came home to me it attuned to no tone in the scale of my sympathies i possessed no touchstone for transmitting the recitals of those ambiguous amours into fiery messages the relation to my own sex was intellectually an occasional friendship devoid of strong affection physically a mild antagonism the naked body of a man was slightly repellent statues of women evoked both carnal and aesthetic response of men no emotions whatever save a deepening of that native antipathy similarly in paintings in literature the drama the men served but as foils for the delicious maidens who visited my aerial seraglios and lapped me in roseate dreamings in my eighteenth year we returned to america where i entered the university the course of my love of women was now a little erratic normal connection began to lose fascination as long ago i had formulated untutored the rationale of coitus so now imagination groping in the dark conceived a fresh fillip for the appetite cunilictus but this though for a while quite adequate soon ceased to gratify at this juncture christmas of my first college year i was appointed editor of a small magazine an early stricture of whose new conduct was paucity of love stories such improvident neglect was in keeping with my altering view of women a view accorded to me by self-dissipation of the glamour through which they had been wont to appear i had wandered somehow behind the scenes and beheld no footlights of sex intervening the once so radiant fairies resolved into a rattled humanity as likable as ever but desirable no longer soon after this the oscar wilde case was bruiting about the newspaper accounts of it while illuminating flashed upon me no light of self-revelation they only amended some idle conjectures as to certain mystic vices i had heard whispered of here and there a newspaper allusion still too recondite was painstakingly clarified by an effeminate fellow-student who i fancy now would have shown no reluctance had i begged him to adduce practical illustration i purchased two photographs of oscar wilde scrutinizing them under the unctuous auspices of the same emasculate and blandiloquent mentor if my interest in oscar wilde arose from any other emotion than the rather morbid curiosity then almost universal i was not conscious of it erotic dreams precluded hitherto by coition came now to beset me the persons of these dreams were and still are invariably women with this one remembered exception i dreamed that oscar wilde one of my photographs of him incarnate 
approached me with a buffoon languishment and perpetrated fellatio, an act verbally expounded shortly before by my oracle. For a month or more, recalling this dream disgusted me. The few subsequent endeavors, tentative and half-hearted, to repristinate my venery were foredoomed, partly because I had feared they were, to failure. Erection was incomplete, ejaculation without pleasure. There seemed a fallacy in this behavior. Why coitus without sensual desire for it? No sense of duty impelled me, nor dread of sexual aberration. The explanation is this. Attraction to females was not expunged, simply sublimed. My imagination, no longer importing women from observation, created its own delectable sirens, grown exacting and transcendental, petitioned reality in vain. Substance had receded for good now, and soon even these tormenting shadows of it became even dimmer and dimmer, until they too at length faded into nothingness. The antipodes of the sexual sphere turned more and more toward the light of my tolerance. Inversion, till now stained with a slight repugnance, became aesthetically colorless at last, and then delicately retinted, at first solely with pity for its victims, but finally the color deepening with half-conscious inclination to attach it to myself as a remote contingency. This revolution, however, was not without external impetus. The prejudiced tone of a book I was reading, Kraft Ebbing's Psychopathia Sexualis, by prompting resentment led me on to sympathy. My championing, purely abstract though it was to begin with, nonetheless involved my looking at things with eyes hypothetically inverted, an orientation for the sake of argument. After a while, insensibly and at no one moment, hypothesis merged into reality. I myself was inverted. That occasional and fictitious inversion had never, I believe, superposed this true inversion. Rather, a true inversion, those many years dormant, had simply responded finally to a stimulus strong and prolonged enough as a man awakens when he is loudly called. In presenting myself thus sexually transformed, I do not aver having had at the outset any definitive inclination. The instinct, so freshly evolved, remained for a while obscure. Its primary expression was a feebly sensuous interest in the physical character of boys, in their feminine resemblances especially. To this interest I opposed no discountenance, for wantonness with women under many and diverse conditions, having long ago medicined my sexual conscience to lethargy, no access of reasons came to me now for its refreshment. On the other hand, intellectual delight in the promises of the new world, as well as sensuality, conduced to its deliberate exploration. Still for a year the yearning settled with true lust upon no object more concrete than youths whose only habitation was my fancy. A young surgeon, having read my copy of Psychopathia Sexualis, fell one evening to discussing inverts with such relish that I inquired ingenuously if he himself was one. He colored, whether confirmatively or otherwise I could not guess, in spite of his vehement no. Presently he very subtly recanted his denial. 
but to his counter-question i maintained my own no lest he propose some sexual act the point of aesthetics of my developing inversion would not yet concede the boys of my imagination being still predominant one evening soon after this he convoyed me to several of the cafes where inverts are accustomed to foregather these trysting places were much alike a long hall with its farce orchestra at one end marble-topped tables lining the walls leaving the floor free for dancing round the tables sat boys and youths adonises both by art and nature ready for a drink or a chat with the chance samaritan and shyly importunate for the pleasures for which upstairs were small rooms to let one of the boys supported by the orchestra sang the jewel song out of faust his voice had the limpid treble purity of a clarinet and his face the beauty of an angel the song concluded we invited him to our table where he sat sipping neat brandy as he mockingly encountered my book-begotten queries the boy prostitutes gracing these halls he apprised us bore fanciful names some of well-known actresses others of heroes in fiction his own being dorian gray rivals he complained had assumed the same appellation but he was the original dorian the others were jealous impostors his curly hair was golden his cheeks were pink his lips coral red parted incessantly to reveal the glistening pearliness of his teeth yet though deeming him the beautifulest youth in the world i experienced no sexual interest either in him or in the other boys who indeed were all beautiful beauty was their chief asset dorian further dilated on the splendour of his female attire satin corsets low-cut evening gowns etc donned on gala nights to display his gleaming shoulders and dimpled plump white arms thus arrayed he bantered he would bewitch even me now so impassive until i would throw myself in tears of happiness into his loving embrace my first venture upon fallacia was a month later with the young surgeon i confessed the whim to try it and he acceded though this nauseous and fatiguing act very imperfectly performed was prompted mostly by curiosity there arose soon a passional hankering for repetition in short a penance for fellatio grew slowly from that night of mawkish fiasco and waxed eventually into a sovereign want perhaps miscarriage of that initiatory experiment was due to precipitance incubation of my perverse instinct being not yet complete a hiatus of a month now supervened in which while further fellatio was not attempted my mind came always nearer to a reconcilement with the grossness of the act and began to discover for its creatures some correlation in pretty boys beheld in the flesh one evening in broadway i conceived suddenly a full-fledged desire for a youth issuing from an hotel as i passed our glances met and dwelled together at a shop window he first accosted me he was an invert with him in his room at the hotel whence i had seen him emerge i passed an apocalyptic night 
Thereafter commerce with boys only in the spirit ceased to be an end. The images were carnalized, stepped from their framework into the streets. That boy, that god out of the machine, I see him clearly, his brown, curling hair, his eyes blue as the sea, his chest both arched and so plump, his rounded arms, his taper waist, the graceful swell of his hips and full snowy thighs. I recall as of yesterday the dimples in his knees, the slenderness of his ankles, the softness of his little feet, with insteps pink like the inside of a shell. How I gloated over his ample roundness, his rich undulations. In the last eight years I have performed fellatio, never pedicatio, with more than three hundred men and boys. My preference is for boys between fifteen and twenty, refined, pretty, girlish, and themselves homosexual. Personally, barring this love for males, I am in all ways masculine, given to outdoor sports and to smoking and drinking moderately. In appearance I am but a boy of eighteen. My face and figure are generally considered beautiful. I am clean-shaven, with black curling hair, red cheeks, and brown eyes, features delicate and regular, bodium of medium height, everywhere practically hairless. By years of training I have attained alike great strength and classic proportions, the muscular contours smoothly rounded with adipose tissue. My hands and feet are small. My penis, though perfectly shaped, is rather enormous erect ten and a half inches in length seven and a quarter inches in circumference some abetment of my apostasy from orthodox methods was no doubt this hypertrophy of the penis which already in my twentieth year had acquired its present redundance rendering coitus impracticable with most women i essayed and painful where insertion was effected since falling heir to inversion a unique recurrence of normal desire six years ago persuaded me to attempt coitus with eleven or twelve prostitutes and strangely enough with much of the old-time solacity and full erection but as it chanced always with too great disparity of parts for success a certain preciosity in the manner of this communication may be put down partly to the nature of the literary avocations with which the writer is by preference occupied, and partly, no doubt more fundamentally, to the special character of his predominantly aesthetic temperament, an attraction to the exotic. An attraction for exotic experiences will not, however, suffice to account for the rather late development of homosexual tendencies, a late development which may be held to place this case in the retarded group of inverts. H. C. has himself pointed out to me that his aversion to women, beginning to appear in the eighteenth year, was already well pronounced before he had ever heard definitely of specific homosexual acts, and fully a year before he experienced the slightest sexual interest in men or boys. Moreover, while it is true that the actual tendency to homosexual attraction only appeared after he had read Kraft Ebbing and come in contact with inverts, such influences would not suffice to change the sexual nature of a normally constituted man. It may be added that H.C. is not attracted to normal males. As regards his moral attitude, he remarks, I have no scruples in the indulgence of my passion. 
I perceive the moral objections advanced, but how speculative they are and constructive, while immediately inversion is the source of so much good. He looks upon the whole sexual question as largely a matter of taste. I regard the foregoing case as of considerable interest. It presents what is commonly supposed to be a very common type of inversion, Oscar Wilde being the supreme exemplar, in which a heterosexual person apparently becomes homosexual by the exercise of intellectual curiosity and aesthetic interest. In reality, the type is far from common. Indeed, an intellectual curiosity and an aesthetic interest, strong enough even apparently to direct the sexual impulse in any new channel, are themselves far from common. Moreover, a critical reading of this history suggests that the apparent control over the sexual impulse by reason is merely a superficial phenomenon. Here, as ever, reason is but a tool in the hands of the passions. The apparent causes are really the results. We are witnessing the gradual emergence of a retarded homosexual impulse. History 28. English, aged 40, surgeon. Sexual experiences began early, about the age of ten, when a companion induced him to play at intercourse with their sisters. He experienced no pleasure. A little later a servant girl began to treat him affectionately, and at last called him into her bedroom when she was partially undressed, fondled and kissed his member, and taught him to masturbate her. On subsequent occasions she attempted a simulation of intercourse which gave her satisfaction, but failed to induce emission in him. On returning to school, mutual masturbation was practiced with schoolfellows, and the first emission took place at the age of fourteen. On leaving school, he became a slave to the charms of women, and had frequent coitus about the age of seventeen, but he preferred masturbating girls, and especially in persuading girls of good position, to whom the experience was entirely novel, to allow him to take liberties with them. At twenty-five he became engaged, and mutual masturbation was practiced to excess during the engagement. After marriage, connection generally took place twice every twenty-four hours until pregnancy. At this time, he writes, I stayed at the house of an old schoolfellow, due of my lovers of old days. There were so many guests that I shared my friend's bedroom. The sight of his body gave rise to lustful feelings, and when the light was out I stole across to his bed. He made no objection, and we passed the night in mutual masturbation. We passed the next fortnight together, and I never took the same pleasure in coitus with my wife, though I did my duty. She died five years later, and I devoted myself heart and soul to my friend until his death by accident last year. Since then I have lost all interest in life. I am indebted for this case to a well-known English alienist, who remarks that the patient is fairly healthy to look at, but with neurasthenia and tendency to melancholia and neurotic temperament. The body is masculine and pubic hair abundant. One testicle shows wasting. Histories 29 and 30 I give the following narrative in the words of an intimate friend of one of the cases in question. My attention was first drawn to the study of inversion, though I then regarded all forms of it as depraving and abominable, at a public school, where in our dormitory a boy of fifteen initiated his select friends into the secrets of mutual masturbation which he had learned from his brother.' 
a midshipman. I gave no heed to this at the time, though I remembered it in after years when immersed in Plato, Lucretius, and the Epicurean writers. But my attention was riveted to it at the age of twenty, when I spent a holiday with A, a companion with whom I was, and still am, on terms of great friendship. We enjoyed many things in common, studied together, and discussed most unconventional matters, but not this. Previously, we had always occupied separate sleeping apartments. On this occasion, we were abroad in a country place and were compelled to put up with what we could get. We not only had to share a room, but a bed. I was not surprised at his throwing his arm over me, as I knew he was extraordinarily attached to me, and I had always felt a brute for not returning his affection so warmly. But I was surprised when later I awoke to find him occupied in fellatio and endeavouring to obtain my response. Had it been any one else, I should have resented strongly such a liberty, and our acquaintance would have ended, but I cared for him too well, though never very demonstrative. This episode led to discussion of the topic. He told me that his sexual strength was great that he had tested it in many ways, and that it was essential to his well-being that he should have satisfaction in some way. He loathed prostitution, and considered it degrading. He felt physically attracted to some women, and intellectually to others, but the two elements were never combined, and though he had been intimate with a few, he felt that it was not right to them, as he could not marry them because he held too high an ideal of marriage. He had always felt attracted to his own sex, and had kept up a platonic friendship with a college chum, X, to whom I knew he was passionately attached for some years. Both considered it perfectly moral, and both felt better for it. Both abhor pedicatio. X, however, would never discuss the subject, and seemed half ashamed of it. A, on the other hand, though showing a great self-respect in all things else, feels no shame, though he says he would never discuss it except with close friends or if asked for private advice. A is the elder child of a military officer. His parents were twenty-one and nineteen, respectively, at the time of his birth. Both parents are healthy, and the two children, both boys, have good constitutions, though the elder has the better. He is of medium height and slender limbs, proud carriage, handsome and intellectual face, classic Greek type, excellent complexion, charming manners, and good temper. The penis is large, the foreskin very short. He is fond of philosophy, natural science, history, and literature. He is reflective and patient rather than smart, but strong-willed and very active when roused, never resting till he has accomplished what he wants, even if this takes years. He sings excellently and is fond of cycling, boating, swimming, and mountain climbing. He enjoys excellent health and has never had a day's illness since he was twelve years of age. He says the only time he cannot sleep has been when in bed with someone who could not or would not satisfy him. He requires satisfaction at least once a week, twice or thrice in the hot season. He never smokes nor drinks beer or spirits. He is still single, but believes that marriage would meet all his needs. X is also an oldest child, of young and healthy parents between twenty-one and twenty-four at his birth, of different class, father a builder. 
he is of pleasing but not handsome appearance very sensitive very neat and methodical in all things not very strong-willed and very reserved to women he is a very studious disposition especially fond of philosophy politics and natural science a good musician takes moderate exercise but rather easily fatigued is generally healthy but not over strong he is a vegetarian and was brought up as a free thinker until two years ago he was never attracted toward a girl indeed he disliked girls but he is now engaged for about eighteen months he has relinquished homosexuality but has suffered from dreams bad digestion and peevishness since he thinks the only remedy is marriage which he is pushing on he regards homosexuality as quite natural and normal though his desires are not strong and once a fortnight has always satisfied him he was led to the practice by the reasoning of a and because he felt a certain vague need and discomforted him he thinks it a matter of temperament and not to be discussed except by scientists he says he could never perform it except with his dearest friend whose request he could not resist he has a long foreskin flesh like a woman's and is well proportioned both men are ardent for social reform the one actively the other passively engaged in it both also regard the law as to homosexuality as absurd and demoralizing they also think that the law prohibiting polygamy is largely the cause of prostitution as many women are prevented from living honest lives and being cared for by someone and many men could marry one woman for physical satisfaction and another for intellectual they were devoted to each other when i first knew them they are still friends but separated by distance both are exceedingly honorable and the latter is truthful to a fault according to later information x had married and his homosexual tendencies were almost completely in abeyance partly perhaps owing to the fact that he now lives quietly in the country a has surprised his friends by his ardent attachment to a lady of about his own age to whom he has become engaged he declares that he loves this woman better than any man but nevertheless he still feels strong passion for his men friends it is evident that the homosexual tendency in a is distinctly more pronounced than in his friend x as is found more often in bisexual than in homosexual persons he is of predominantly masculine type possesses great vitality and desires to exert all his faculties he has a sound nervous system and is very free of all nervousness he has written a scientific treatise and can study undisturbed amid violent noises his voice is manly in singing deep bass he can whistle he is not vain though well formed and his hands are delicate his favorite color is green the demonstrative warmth of his affection for his friends is the chief feminine trait noted in him he rarely dreams and has never had an erotic dream this he explains by saying earlier than freud that all dreams not caused by physical conditions are wish dreams and as he always satisfies his sexual needs at once with a friend or by masturbation his sexual needs have no opportunity of affecting his subconscious life there may be some doubt as to the classification of the two foregoing cases they are not personally known to me the following case with which i have been acquainted for many years i regard as clearly a genuine example of bisexuality history thirty one englishman independent means aged fifty two 
married. His ancestry is of a complicated character. Some of his mother's forefathers in the last and earlier centuries are supposed to have been inverted. He remembers liking the caresses of his father's footmen when he was quite a little boy. He dreams indifferently about men and women, and has strong sexual feeling for women. Can copulate, but does not insist on this act. There is a tendency to refined, voluptuous pleasure. He has been married for many years, and there are several children by the marriage. He is not particular about the class or age of the men he loves. He feels with regard to older men as a woman does, and likes to be caressed by them. He is immensely vain of his physical beauty. He shuns pedicatio, and does not much care for the sexual act, but likes long hours of voluptuous communion, during which his lover admires him. He feels the beauty of boyhood. At the same time, he is much attracted by young girls. He is decidedly feminine in his dress, manner of walking, love of scents, ornaments, and fine things. His body is excessively smooth and white, the hips and buttocks rounded. Genital organs normal. His temperament is feminine, especially in vanity, irritability, and petty preoccupations. He is much preoccupied with his personal appearance, and fond of admiration. On one occasion he was photographed naked as Bacchus. He is physically and morally courageous. He has a genius for poetry and speculation, with a tendency to mysticism. He feels the discord between his love for men and society, and also between it and his love for his wife. He regards it as, in part at least, hereditary and inborn in him. History 32. C.R., physician, age 38. Nationality, Irish, with a Portuguese strain. My mother came of an old Quaker family. I was quite unaware of sexual differences until I was about fourteen, as I was carefully kept separate from my sisters, and, although from time to time strange longings which I did not understand possessed me, I was a virgin in thought indeed until that period of life. When I was fourteen, a cousin some years older than myself came to stay with us and shared my bed. To my surprise, he took hold of my penis and rubbed it for a time when a most pleasant feeling seized me and increased until a discharge came out of my organ. He then asked me to do the same to him. We frequently repeated the process during the following month. I was quite unaware of any harm resulting. The same year I went to school, but none of my schoolmates for some time even suggested such actions, until a friend staying with us for the holidays one day in the bathroom repeated the process, and pressed his penis between my thighs, when a similar discharge took place. I shortly found out that several of my school friends and male cousins had the same desires, and an elder brother of my first introducer into sexuality repeatedly spent the night with me, when we would amuse ourselves in a similar way. A little later, my mother being away from home, I shared my father's bed, and he took my penis in his hand and pulled my foreskin back. I, in return, took hold of his and found that he had an erection. I proceeded to rub him when he stopped me and told me that I should not do so, that when I was a little older I should love a woman to do it, and that if I did not rub myself and allow the other boys to do so, I would enjoy myself much more. I am quite certain that my father was inverted, as he frequently, if sleeping with me, used to press my naked body against his, and he always had a strong erection. 
on one occasion he rubbed me until i had a discharge and then turning over on his back made me take his penis in my hand and rub him for a few minutes i used to jest frequently with my father as from my seventeenth year my penis was larger than his i will return to my father a little later when i was seventeen a college friend shared my bed and when undressing he said that he envied me my penis being so much larger than his after getting into bed he asked me to turn on my side and i found that he was attempting pedicatio i was astonished at his doing so when he informed me that next to a woman this process gave most pleasure however nothing resulted and this is the only experience of pedicatio that i have ever had when i was eighteen one evening a college chum introduced me to a woman, and she was the first I ever had connection with. We went behind some rocks, and she took hold of my penis and pressed it into her body, lying against me. My father evidently suspected me when I came home, and a few days afterward told me that it was very dangerous to have anything to do with women, that I should wait until I was older, that when a boy became a man he ought to have a woman occasionally, and that if I ever had a nasty disease I should promptly tell him so that I could be properly cured. At college I found several chums who were fond of sharing my bed and indulging in mutual masturbation, pressing our bodies together face to face until there was mutual discharge, but never again anyone who tried anal connection. A short time afterward I was in Brussels and I paid my first visit to a brothel, a place close to the cathedral. I picked a girl of about eighteen from eight naked beauties paraded for my choice. She was avaricious and demanded ten francs. I had paid twenty for my room and had only two left. I wanted her to play with me, but she only seized the penis and pulled me to her with such vigorous action that I discharged very rapidly. I was so disgusted with the result that I masturbated when I returned to my boarding-house. A year later I paid Portugal a visit, and my friends there frequently brought me to brothels and also introduced me to ladies of easy virtue. I had connection with them. The Portuguese prostitutes never suggested anything unnatural, and in no instance did a male approach me for sexual purposes. When I became a medical student, I used to visit a Turkish bath frequently. On one occasion I playfully slapped a friend on the buttocks, when my father, who was present, told me not to do it so as it was not proper conduct in public, that if I liked to do so to him or one or two others it was no harm in private. Until I was twenty-one, in the bath my father always covered his penis from my view, but after I attained my majority he always exposed himself and repeatedly showed me pictures of naked women. He also taught me the use of the condom. In my twenty-fourth year, a tall, handsome man who used to frequent the baths one day sat down beside me and playfully knocked my toes with his. He then pressed his naked thigh against mine, and a little later in the cooling-room slipped his hand under my sheet and grasped my penis. He then asked me to meet him a few days later in the baths, saying I would be pleased with what he would do. I kept the appointment, and he took me into the hottest room, where we lay on the floor. In a few minutes he turned on his side and threw one of his legs across me. I got frightened and jumped up. He had a powerful erection, but I refused to lie down again, although he pulled his foreskin back to excite my desires. I was afraid of being surprised by another bather. Twice on future occasions I met this man, and he made advances. I believe that I would have yielded then if we had met at a private house. 
shortly afterward i met an elderly gentleman at the baths who also made advances to me but from fear i resisted him i also disliked him as he had a foul breath and bad teeth besides i was now able to go to the continent and enjoy female charms to my heart's desire after qualification i joined the army in south africa and to my astonishment found many of my comrades fond of male society one officer who had been wounded shared my bedroom at a military hospital and when undressing frequently admired my penis we used to play with each other until we had powerful erections but we never masturbated or tried any unnatural vice i used to have connection with women as frequently as i could and i visited the turkish baths and found that several clients were abnormal including one of the masseurs the latter enjoyed playing with my penis kissing and tickling me i married at twenty-eight my married life has been normal and my wife and i are still in love with each other we have had several children my last sexual experiences have been in australia once in sydney at the baths a fellow bather playfully began tickling me when i had an erection he grasped my penis i jumped up and he asked me to do anything that i liked with him i refused once on board a coasting steamer a fellow passenger used to expose himself posing as a statue we became very familiar and he wanted me to spend a night with him i also refused his offers i am very healthy and strong fond of riding fishing and shooting i lead a very active life i am neither musician nor artist but fond of hearing music and i admire works of art in person i am six feet high inclined to fat my body is very strong my penis is six inches long in repose and eight in erection i can without fatigue discharge twice in the night and have connection at least twice a week my scrotum is tense and both testicles large i am rather slow at discharging i have never had any desire to have connection with any other woman since marriage but several times i have met men who attracted me i have a friend another doctor who is very familiar with me and if we spend a night together we will play with each other i have a great desire for him to circumcise me we have never indulged in anything beyond feeling or pressing our bodies together like schoolboys my favorite color is green my erotic dreams when i have any are of my wife or a male lover sexual inversion is more widespread than is popularly supposed and i have never had any twinge of conscience after any of my affairs i regard the homosexual instinct as quite natural and except in regard to my wife it is stronger in my case than the heterosexual instinct i have never initiated a youth into the sexual life or had any desire to seduce a girl boys under seventeen or persons of lower social class have no attraction for me end of chapter three part twelve recording by tom geller oberlin ohio tom geller dot com t-o-m-g-e-l-l-e-r dot com